Sam D'Amico, thanks for joining us on the DER Task Force podcast. We're excited. That's not what it's called, Duncan. Come on. What's it called? <laughs> what? The, that is, is our name. No, no, no. The no. Thun? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. I gotta trust you, know, you. you. Don't. You got it. Let, let the moderator do his job here. You yeah, know? okay, yes. okay. What I, I was about you. to say, Sam, is on this <laughs> podcast when we have guests, we like to say that they are entering the Thunder Dome. Um, so welcome. We we hope you make it out alive. It can get a little hairy in here sometimes, but we think you're going to be a lot of fun. Um, it's intense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's uh, it's a good time. We we think you'll like it. So, yeah. Quick, just introductions. Sam, you're CEO, co-founder of Impulse Labs, a, an induction stove company. We're going to get into what that's all about, why it's exciting, why we're pumped about this episode. But before we do all that, we like to just learn a little bit about you. Um, our first question, we ask all guests this, if you need a definition of what this means, you can ask, but what we want to know is when did you first get der pilled? Oh, that's a good question. (laughs) Um, the, I think, I think this might, must've been in like, you could, you probably could claim this was like 2008. Um, but this was when I joined my university solar car team. Mm. nice wow nice and so it was kind of obviously you think that that there's the company actually doing this um i forget the name of it they're they're spin out of one of the dutch solar car games but um they're actually doing it for real like to make they're literally selling a car i think it's called lightyear i saw this uh, yeah i would i i at the time i was like this is a contrived example but it's like literally how you could learn the full stack of all the stuff And, and um didn't think of better use cases until later but like that was a great onboarding into kind of the world of electric vehicles and all the technologies are enabling fortuitously i had to write some battery pack firmware and i'll get back to how i had to do that again this time but um (laughs) uh, but 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 yeah that that's kind of uh, that was kind of probably my first onboarding in that experience were there any were there any thermal events with your battery packs (laughs) that's good to know Oh, actually, yes. So we had to test this because we were like, well, we should test it just to see what it's like. And yeah, it's bad. But that was like you put a nail through the battery kind of thing. Okay. okay. I'm not the one yeah, yeah. doing it, but like you yeah. do the rail test, even if it's somewhat for, contrived. For those not in the know, a, a thermal event usually means a fire. For the battery lights on fire. <laughs> if you're not a nerd. It, it's uh, industry like PC for fire. We just don't like yeah. to say yeah. that we word. We don't like to say yeah. fire. So. Yeah. Yeah, no, 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 no. <laughs> Sam, were you a, a an EE or a yeah? CS I was electrical engineering. I was electrical engineering, but that's kind of a cover story because this was before like everyone turned into a software engineer. Um, mm-hmm. um, after like the app explosion happened in like I don't know twenty eleven or whatever. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I mostly took software electives, so take that as you will. Sure. Then, yeah. yeah. What did uh what what attracted you to solar cars? Was it like the engineering challenge, or did you think like having an autonomous car you could like didn't have to take to the gas pump was cool, or like what was the was there any like underpinning of 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 the the derpilling, I guess, or did you just need an elective? No, this was <laughs> yeah, actually it was a student organized project, which meant it was the bane of the university because it was like too cool for them to actually try to cancel but problematic because like they did stuff that was dangerous as in it was not driverless there were people in those cars 
those cars sometimes crashed. There's like a liability. Crashed. Yeah. There's a liability angle. And if a you lot think of insurance. Of like, uh, <laughs> I'm not <laughs> sure about that. <laughs> or damn kids damn kids yeah. and their electronic cars yeah so so the, the the origin story of tesla actually runs straight through the stanford solar car team so that's kind of uh mm-hmm. there's kind of a um in terms of like where a bunch of the core folks learned how to actually do this for the first time was there and so that's where jb jb straubel would mess around right for the longest time you could go on his personal website still and it was like a 2005 like wordpress website there was just pictures of like the like DIY so like electric cars they built. Amazing. Yeah, and I was around like the towards the tail end of it, this was back when Tesla was still like like te- like this was back when there were, someone else was in charge of Tesla at the point at that point. So this, yeah. this is this is this is <laughs> those um, times. Early days. Yeah, it was those, it was back in those times. So I think in some sense the entire like EV electrification community was it was much more in the hobbyist tier um, in terms of where the experts actually were. Um, though Tesla, at that point, Tesla had already been pulling a lot of those people in um, and kind of was like the center of gravity. But I think it was it was definitely interesting. It's like you could see the beginnings of that universe um, at that point. So you were you were there to like kind of like ruffle the university's feathers and like start some fires is what I'm hearing basically. Or? No. <laughs> no, we, were, we, were mostly, we mostly were playing by the book and like it was mostly pretty good. Like, I mean, they trusted us to show like like Angela Merkel came by and like checked out the solar car lab and like wow. all their stuff. Wow. Like this is like this is things where it was like they clearly were like this is awesome, but also like there was there was um some interesting risk management factors associated with it yeah that definitely reminds me of i i was i uh led a team in the hyperloop competition in like 2017 or whatever it was um we were messing with like very compressed air and like pneumatic systems and stuff and um there was certainly a lot of like is this uh sort of like sanctioned i guess like, <laughs> both at ut and then and then also like when we eventually went up to spacex like they're <laughs> like what's your guys like blast radius on your pneumatic <laughs> cylinders we're like oh like i don't know like 50 feet or something like we were just yeah. messing around with it in the trailer the other day and they're like <laughs> what was your ventilation we're like we don't know i mean what do you mean <laughs> like, yeah if you're asking so, yourself like do we need a blast shield? The answer is always yes. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. We're cool. not the quality rocket engineers that they were, but anyways. Wait, wait, what one last really quick question on this. I'm just curious. Uh solar electric car uh back then, what what battery chemistry were you using? It was it was um it was lithium ion. So we I think we did a couple different pack designs um of varying quality levels. Um um, and what was actually really interesting and telling about this was um, there's a big switch from like the 2000s into the 2010s, which was a bunch of the chip vendors started actually making chips to manage, like to monitor, like mm-hmm. the full, stack like the balancing and everything. Yeah. yeah. So the big, big problem before was like, you almost had to do this yourself. And this was like how a lot of these EV folks doing lithium ion, like did it. So you'd essentially have to put like one microcontroller across every single yeah, series, yeah. like element yeah. in the pack. Um, and then, yeah, linear technology came out, which I guess is ADI now. They came out with this chip that like let you monitor, I think it was like eight to 10 cells at the time. They've gotten grown up to 16 or whatever. And then our first pack design with that was like, oh yeah, this is like the real deal thing. And then hilariously, 
writing firmware for that in like 2010, 2011. Um, I, I, I was on the team from like 08 through like 12, 13. Um, writing firmware for that. And I was like, then I had to do that again over here um, for one of our prototype packs at one point, which is hilarious. Um, and then like the big pack vendors that you work with when you're making this stuff at scale, like they also use either those chips or similar chips. Yeah. That's awesome. That's Coming actually, we're already getting, we're getting in the weeds, but like it's fun stuff that we don't get to talk about a lot is it is so recent, like all the kind of micro inverter and like DC optimizers technology, like even in like 2015, when I was working in solar, like DC optimizers were like just hitting the market. And it was like, used to do like the string arrays where like if each panel was strung together and if like two of them were shaded, then like the whole thing went down. Like (laughs) it was just like, there was no, like, it's just crazy. Like that was like not even 10 years ago in the industry, you know? And it's the same on, on the storage side, like how like nascent this whole industry is, I guess. Um, yeah, totally. I think it's like, it's, it's interesting where like on the, and then this actually is, is was fortuitous on the pack design side. It was like by prismatic or not prismatic. It was uh, by pouch cells, stack them up, put them in and then make a pack out of that. And then it was like quickly became like, oh yeah, let's just use the same 18650s that Tesla uses and, uh, and build a kind of similar pack. Obviously we don't have a wire bond machine and all this other fun stuff that they were doing at the time, but like, <laughs> um, yeah, it was, that was, it was interesting to see how kind of a bunch of these designs started converging. And then now we're kind of in this completely different phase with, um, the prismatic, the prismatic LFP and all these other things that are kind of going into kind of crazy mega scale or giga scale as, as, yeah. as I all right, we're let's let's okay, let's say this we're, is, we're this is let's too much. Come fun. back to that. Yeah, yeah. this is too much. Fun. Too much fun. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so next intro question is: What's? I have a feeling I might know the answer to this. What's your favorite dir? Yeah, it's gonna. I'm gonna be biased here. Um, I I think that there's. I mean, the one that I think is funky and kind of interesting. Hmm, I'm trying to think of like besides the obvious one. Um, I actually Wait, but think, so is it the obvious one? And then you can do another one too. Okay, the obvious the obvious one would be, yeah, what we're doing with the stoves, I think is like I'll agree with <laughs> yeah, Kieran. Yeah. I'll agree with what Kieran said on the pod. And <laughs> now I, I just want to state this publicly now. Vindicated. I retract my earlier <laughs> statements. I'm I'm sorry to the public and to Impulse Labs and to Kieran that you guys were right. I was wrong. I you guys were ahead of the curve. I was just, you know. <laughs> You know, digging around in the dark just with like little knowledge of the future, you know. Um, <laughs> and induction stoves are durs and they're dope durs. So now let the record state, I've, my mind has been changed. <laughs> so what's the funkiest dur? This is yeah. like yep. you're going. Yeah, what's your other now, one? what can I say is not a dur? I'd, I'd love for you to follow up with that. <laughs> so the, 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 the funky ones are like, um, so I've invested in a couple of manufacturing technology companies. And like you can look at like CNC machine like power curves and all that stuff, and realize like you could do adjacent batteries at the factory and massively cut the um, required service connection for the building. Kind of in the same thinking that um, we have around the stoves and various other things like that. So it's like so like batteries a- for like unique industrial loads. Kind of is that what you're yeah. saying? Yeah. And batteries. Like, I mean, I think. I actually think this is like one of the things that 
that we think about a lot, which is also like batteries to reduce grid connection. Yes. Right? Is that you were getting at? Yeah. Yes. It's like, how do you not even have to build it? I think about that with fleet electrification a lot. And like the one that's relevant for us, that's like quote unquote industrial would be commercial kitchens is, a, is an example where like mm -hmm. if you mm -hmm. want to switch from gas to induction in a commercial kitchen, your power connection might have to go yeah. <laughs> the and Burger King needs like five megawatts of power. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's the Burger King you need five megawatts thing, or the um, um, but imagine you're like a pizza place in New York. Yeah, and that actually goes back to the original concept product that we were thinking of, or actually, it was just me at that point, but like it was uh, the original concept product was do a pizza oven because mm -hmm. <laughs> if you just want to, like, if, if you and I think June and Brava and Tavala, they've all done really cool things with like the tabletop oven market. But I was like, the innovation axis that has not been explored is performance. And if you can up the performance of a tabletop device, maybe it's only plugged in with a 120 volt outlet. Um, then you can actually yeah. do things, do the 90 second pizza thing. Yeah. And then that's I a great use up. case in theory, right? Cause it's such a short cook time. Yeah, it's like a, such a short cook time. And then I started looking at like vape batteries and these were not LFP. These were just like, what are the cylindrical 21700 cells capable of doing? And I was like, they can do 10, 10C. And for folks that are not familiar, 10C what? means discharge. That's crazy. Yeah. You can just, there's a Samsung cell that does this. You can discharge the um, entire, well, not the entire cell, but like you can run it at a rate where the cell would discharge in six minutes instead of 60 minutes. Like one C is discharged in one hour. And so aside from like the performance side of that is like, yeah, you could make a very small pack and you could get five kilowatts or something out of it. Yeah. A couple minutes of high power. Yeah. That's really interesting. And well, then- that's kind of was like, and then it was like, what other gadgets can you do? And then it kind of intercepted with, well, a pizza oven on 120 volts with a small battery is not necessarily like interesting for this podcast, I would say. But uh, <laughs> an induction stove with like a three plus kilowatt hour battery pack is. And so that's where the, that's where the, that's where um, there's this entire other universe of what the battery is useful for, which is not just providing momentary high discharge for the point right. of use thing but also it's useful for the home and other and other contexts yeah interesting well so talking about that plus your point about like funky durs like in batteries for unique industrial loads sam i hate to break this to you but scale microgrids our company i think actually beat you to induction <laughs> plus batteries we built a microgrid <laughs> for an induction smelting facility. That sounds about right. That was yeah, actually yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> So I'm just, I'm just putting it out there. You know, who was first? Mm, you know? Uh, yeah. And I think funky durs for the win. <laughs> yeah. And I think, I think that one was, I was looking at kind of like what the service area is. Um, an interesting part of the story is a lot of the like 240 volt appliances that you normally need are pretty short duration peak use cases. Like mm -hmm. you're talking about, you might want need up to 10 kilowatts or so approximately, maybe less in some cases, more in some cases, but you need that for minutes, not fractions of a day. 
And um, even within those like very peaky things, it's kind of like you need the really high power within, especially for a stove is a good example, like just when you're getting everything up to temperature, basically. Mm-hmm. And so that's where we saw the really big opportunities. We're like, oh, looking at kind of what you can do, discharge rates, all these other things, you could make a better stove, not just mm. not just not just like ship people the default stove that they've got, basically. And that's where we kind of saw this from like, oh, if we want to drive electrification, we have to make something just like wholly better on not just not just like it's electric and that's awesome. And I would argue induction as is is already higher performance than gas. But this is like, no, this is just obvious and we're gonna like bonk you on the head until it's like extremely obvious. Wow. Uh, that is a theme we absolutely love, but I we're gonna go down that rabbit hole. So I don't want to get sucked into it yet. But that is that's super cool and I have like a thousand questions, but yeah, same. Duncan, you want it? Well, let's, I know. Let's, I was like, let's, this is really the most distracted. This, this is the most you, uh, distracted yeah. we've gotten in the uh, in the intro. Okay. <laughs> All right. Two. We're gonna cut it a little short. We're gonna do two more. Um, what do you like to do outside of your job? Well, that's an unfortunate question these days. Um. <laughs> um company that's less than one year old what do you what else do you do <laughs> we're actually, we're actually, you, over, we're actually over a year old so we're um okay the, the, the company was actually founded hilariously on my birthday um which i'm not going to say on the podcast but it's in july which, which like is that. indicative of how your your life outside of work is going <laughs> um yeah i mean i think stuff i really like doing is like i um i got Speaking of, if we're on the topic of things we got pilled on, like I got really sold from, so I used to work in consumer electronics um, on mostly face-mounted computers. So I would have to go to China a lot for work. Um, and I was like one of the guys where they were like, you want to go? And I'm like, yeah, I already have the ticket booked. Um, and I got really sold on um, Chinese barbecue. And, uh, and, so, and so a big thing I like to do is I like to have a bunch of people over my house and I've got one of those like skewer grills and I like to grill a lot. Um, okay. So we, so you were starting an induction, you started an induction (laughs) company, (laughs) you skewer and you considered pizza. So like, talk to us about food because I feel like, Uh, yeah, you have an alternate passion here. The culinary. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No. Yeah. I, I have like this, I have this like kind of not super quiet, like F and B, like, I think there's some genetics there involved because my uncle used to own a restaurant for a number of years. Um, and then one of my cousins has a culinary degree, super great chef, all this other stuff. So it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's in the family a bit. And like my parents taught me to cook and like all, all these other things. And like, I, I think myself highly in that regard, but I don't think I'm actually that good. So it's like, uh-huh. it, 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 it's, it, it, and then what I like to do is like, when I go visit places, I'll try to cook the food that that uh yeah yeah so is that is is that like a guilty pleasure you like pull the tarp off the old charcoal grill and (laughs) fire it up for your buddies and you're like well i've sold a million induction stoves so like this is fine i'm allowed no but i actually think i actually think this is like this is the way that you like get people to electrify right like we've we've talked about getting induction a lot and i'm very excited about what impulse is doing so i'm like maybe i can actually do this now but the like agreement with my husband is we would get like a propane wok 
situation. <laughs> like outside. Like, yeah. Outside, exactly. Because he's like, I that's the only cooking that we do. I want 50,000 BTUs. That. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we do higher than that. <laughs> but can you but you, can you get the sides? I mean, I'm curious. So what is your what is your like response to wok cooking? Sorry, I know we're like getting away from who you are, but now we're here. Yeah, I, yeah. This is yeah. So I think there's if you look on AliExpress, you can actually go and find an induction wok burner, and you can see them. They're like they're used they in like commercial like, settings. Yeah, commercial setting. They maybe some of them go up to like eight kilowatts, which is nuts. By the way, that's like your fifty thousand BTUs right there. You just like melt the wok. <laughs> Yeah, they have a bunch of sensors uh, to like sample of the glass for like like safety, basically to prevent that. But yeah, it's it's a little wild. And then they, uh, but yeah, there's a question: Can you do the wake type thing where you might want to like light the oil with the flame in the system? There seems to be a bunch of debate of what that is caused by versus it's just like consistent high temperature on the wok itself. Mm-hmm. And so I would argue if folks where that cuisine comes from use these products in a commercial setting, then likely induction will answer that problem. You just need a dished out thing to like, you need just like, like, a, like circumferential. Uh, yeah. yeah. You like, yeah. like in a cone shaped like the walk or something. Yeah. And you can Whoa. literally go on the glass vendor websites for like, um, like shot Saran, which is like one of the major glass vendors. And they sell this as a part. Interesting. So it's like, it's Dude, like, I think induction stoves are my favorite during now. What the fuck? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I just got induction stove filled. This is sick. So this is why, like, why, why do you do stove versus everything else? And it's kind of like, it's the one where it has UX that you have to constantly manage. And so people have decided that like the flames and the UX are like the thing that they're, they're, they're going to stick around with. And we're like, okay, well, we have to actually solve that one because your yeah. dryer, might, like I have a gas dryer at home, which I only learned about when I smelled a gas leak in my place. And called <laughs> the and I was like, hey, oh, that's what gas. <laughs> Turns out it was my neighbor getting his gas meter serviced and like it leaked into my house. But um, that's when I found out I had a gas dryer and I'd lived in the place for years. <laughs> that's funny i have yeah i have ux and product design questions last intro question do you, james do you mind if i skip one of these i just feel like yeah, we gotta dude. keep moving Go ahead, okay. Man. okay last one people always have trouble with this but maybe you're gonna be like our first big winner what is your hottest energy take oh i think fusion's gonna work Ooh. Ooh. okay I wow like when though when sooner than expected oh come on give me a number i think it'll i think it'll work but like i mean is it ten thousand oh, yeah. years from now is it 50 years from now is it seven okay like given enough time we'll probably figure it out i don't know okay i'm gonna reveal more biographical information with my answer to this question <laughs> um, love it so as you probably figured out, I'm, I used to work on face computers um, to say that irreverently. Um, I looked at your LinkedIn. Yeah. 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 So Google Glass, if you remember that, it's a fun program to work on. Um, that's, how I, that's how I learned the consumer electronics like workflow, basically. It's, it's, so I, 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 I go to the bar, actually, that got famous because someone wore Google Glass into it. So like that's it's my neighborhood bar. <laughs> um, um, I'll leave the what happened there, the exercise to the, the listener. 
Um, <laughs> but uh, um, but a big part of what I was doing was optical module integration. So I have a bunch of like experience in in some sense modern optoelectronics. I'm not an optical engineer, but like ended up doing a lot of integration work around that. Um, and so what was interesting was looking at NIF and I saw a lot of the kind of more skeptical folks being like, this is not going to work. The lasers are not that efficient, all those other things. In some sense, they were overlooking the fact that like with modern um, semiconductor technology, a lot of the laser efficiency questions are answered now. And so that one is like, we're looking a lot more favorable in terms of like, can you make a 15 plus percent efficient um, 300 something nanometer laser that you could use for ICF even. Wait, then, but wasn't the whole thing that it, with the latest test, it was like a 1% efficient laser? Yeah, it was like, you know, it's a 0.4 or something percent efficient laser. I went, I went and pulled the paper and I looked at it. Um, and the reason why is it's literally pumped with like xenon flash lamps. So like, and so they they have this like broad spectrum infrared light source that they couple into um, glass fibers that are doped with neodymium. I'm falling oh, off. This. Yeah, yeah. But the the point though is, um, let's just say that the military is driving a bunch of this because they want laser guns, and so <laughs> they, of course, of course, drive so, most of most innovation. Yep, with yeah, you. And, and then the second thing that's apparently driven, and I found this out through the grapevines. So maybe this is exclusive to this pod is the superconducting tapes that they're using for the other approach, which is. Um, um, which is uh, uh, like like tokamak based magnetic, magnetic confinement. confinement yeah. yeah. So those were apparently driven. Like you need some initial customer for this stuff, and somewhere in the mid 2010s, they figured out how to mass produce superconducting tape. And my understanding was it was naval propulsion um, situation, basically. So like they want superconducting motors for quiet submarines. Huh interesting cool. interesting and then okay, the so, third one, which is like the the like the the z pinch magnetic type stuff yeah and i think that also gets some other there's some other there's folks working on that as well and i think there's other tailwinds there that i'm less of an expert about so someone so when it so when man <laughs> give me come on give me a number James, are you looking for when it will be commercially viable or when we'll like have them at scale installed? I feel like those uh, are very different. Yeah, or even just like, like for prototype. some applications. Cause I do think, I don't know, there was a good point recently that like fuel input costs is like not like, why would a, a fusion reactor be any less complicated than a fission reactor? And even if you like take the fuel equation out of it, like, it's going to be expensive. Like, it's not going to be like, that's Duncan's yeah. like, that's the beat you're always drumming. You're like, we still need yeah. CapEx. We still have wires. Well, <laughs> and just like insane operational complexity. Like you're going to have to fix shit all the time. Like think of like the large Hadron Collider and stuff. It's not like cheap to run this. It's not gonna be like this panacea of like energy everywhere, but I think it'll open up applications that are like wildly like the power density you get you can do like space travel. I don't know, all sorts of crazy stuff, but <laughs> you go, you can jump Sam's wagging his finger. <laughs> yeah. the, the military does fission reactors with like 20 year olds. So like, I think this is the, like, yeah, yeah. Like a handful of 20 year olds are, are though. I don't want to, I don't want to, I never served on nuclear submarines. So I don't want to, you know, I don't want to speak over the experts there, but like 
they figured something out. Um, and uh, but I would I would also say that there's a big difference between making a research facility and making a commercial power plant in terms of like, like I would say something like NIF or IDER, like the amount of extra stuff they have to do for sensors is non-trivial. And uh, it's, 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 it's a different design envelope, but the big one, I think people definitely is worth, the big skepticism is that you're still making a steam cycle power plant. And so that's the, the interesting couple fusion bets, I would say Helion's one of them. That's the one I was day. thinking of. Yeah, yeah. where they skip they, they all don't of that. need that. Yeah. You basically get like, like power just comes charge, out of it. Yeah. You get a charged particle beam and you can turn into electricity. And yeah. No, no steam, no turbine, no if we get that one, it is a big deal because it's that's also... actually a path to reducing CapEx significantly. Yes. Right. Yeah. And actually, this goes back to let's this 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 redirects us back to the main topic, which is like why are solar and wind awesome? They directly generate their energy. You don't need a steam cycle. You yeah, don't yeah. need water. Yeah, yeah you don't yeah. need water supply. Or there's no like, like thermodynamic cycle that's killing efficiency. Yeah. yeah okay. So nothing... let me can I can I ask it in a different way? So I I was a physics math major that was going into a nuclear engineering master's PhD and switched it to Mechie. Um. So if, if it were me, so when I was making that decision again, now, could I get rich in my lifetime by yes. going into yes. nuclear engineering? Okay. Well, there now any kids listening, if you want to get rich, go into nuclear engineering, not Seriously. mechanical engineering. If you want Sam, to go Sam, into either. You can get rich either way. And Sam D'Amico told you to. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it may want to sell your like Series D secondaries if you do that, but like, <laughs> you know, like, it might take a while for IPO. But uh, <laughs> I'm not a financial engineer, so yeah, yeah, uh, yeah that's yeah. good. We like that. <laughs> oh, I might buy your secondaries though. Is the other point? Nice, okay. <laughs> cool, cool. Long okay. fusion. I love it. Yeah, that's a that's a good that's a good hot. Take. That's a good take. Yeah, that's actually a million or billion degree take. Um, yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. Um, <laughs> um, okay. So, you know, next we like to talk about, um, like getting into sort of the deep dive on everything, sort of your journey here. We've kind of heard about a bunch of it. Uh, so maybe we can be a bit more surgical on this. Um, James or Colleen, if there's anything particular in Sam's journey, you're interested in digging into, I know we have some notes here. Why don't we just jump right in? I mean, I guess like, so we kind of understand like the general, like you got dirt pilled, you are obviously interested in this in a while. And then you kind of spent a long time in kind of like the hard, the kind of classic tech hardware engineering world. What made you be like, I got to go solve the world's food cooking problems? Yeah, especially from like Facebook too. Like there had to be a pretty powerful driver there, right? Where you were like, this is the problem I want to completely jump into uncertainty to solve. Yeah, that's a good, I think there's also a, it's also something worth stating like where VR is right now and like where I see the trajectory is. Like, I don't think I'm not a doomer on, I try not to be a doomer on tech. I think I couldn't be working in any space adjacent to tech if I was, if I was one. And like, I encourage people to be optimistic, like across the board, especially well, you're long level. fusion. So would the, that's like, yeah, caveat given, tell us how you really feel about VR. My, my, my brain is broken in fundamental ways. So I think the VR use case, that's going to be the killer thing 
is like screen replacement or like desktop computer replacement. So like, like, there's going to be VR games that's going to exist in a world like you're going to do that stuff. But like the killer use case is like I put on the headset and I could be at an airport lounge and I get like as many monitors I want. And like so like could, business basically. I'm not sure if it's business actually. So like it could be like I we could be sitting on a virtual couch playing Halo Two like on an emulator, and like you could be in New York or something, and I can be in SF and it just works. So it's like video games. It's like FaceTime. It's just like watching YouTube, hanging out at the subway stop. Yeah. Machine like, learning will auto-generate your avatar. So like, and then you've got all the motion capture stuff because it's got eye tracking and all their fun stuff. So like, if you want to appear as like, I don't know, Gollum or whatever, you can do that. Like, so it, you it, do it, think you do think like metaverse stuff. Like, it's not just going to be a better screen that can come with you in your pocket. Metaverse it's, is not going to be a universal hangout space run by one corporation. It's going to be like, <laughs> it's going to be like you're like you can like it's it's like how you, it's like how smartphones aren't like, yeah, like blue text bubbles aside. But like, um, <laughs> I know I was like I was like I beg to differ there. As someone who yeah. finally broke down got an iPhone. Um, <laughs> we love it, by the way. The ostracist, yeah ostracized um but yeah it's just like right it's like a better zoom or a better google meet like you'll have the different ones it's not going to be like there's the one place we go to do our pod yeah i just think it's like a it's a new surface that lets you do things where it's like you can be present in like virtual avatar sort of sense and then you can collaborate it's not going to replace in-person offices it's not going to replace anything it's just going to be but it's going to it potentially is like I could, instead of having a desktop computer with a lot of monitors, I could just put like maybe a ski goggle size thing on and it gives me that. Um, and um, that. So you said that, you didn't want to do that? Well, I saw the trajectory. I realized that it was entirely going to be driven by essentially component engineering innovations um, over the next, like the core low hanging fruit on the architecture had been harvested in a sense and were now like the, the programs were now downstream of and like to the company formerly known as Facebook credit like they made some good architecture decisions on what I would say quest 2 was for like cost accessibility all those other things but like all of the like all of the like making better products was downstream of the component engineering rat race so it was starting to look you know it's not the same as like smartphones where it's like there's kind of a final form factor um, but like, we're, it's approaching that. And I saw that this was a logical hopping off point. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, so how does that lead to stoves though? Okay. So, so, <laughs> so, so going, so as I may have mentioned before, definitely really into cooking, um, was always kind of like into the electric vehicle space. Didn't exactly want to. I didn't think I actually wanted to work on cars. And like, I think a big part of my background too, is like, if you look at my Twitter or anything like that, like I'm not exactly a pro suburban sprawl individual. Um, oh, you don't, I'm we're we are all city people here. Yeah. And I'm both actually not suburbs, are, but hyper so rural, up, hyper city. I, I think that's a valid thing. Also, I grew up in a, like a rail suburb in North of Boston. And so like my dad oh. would walk the train take the train to work walk to work like totally reasonable What's, well we don't have to tell me what suburb on the pod but i'm also <laughs> from a rail suburb north of boston so <laughs> beverly hamilton hamilton one i'm over here uh, so yeah, neighbors yeah yeah, yeah. yeah we're neighbors 
Um, but yeah, yeah. So, so I, I think that understanding a bunch of that stuff and it's like, didn't really want to work on an electric car company. Um, and I think that doing something that's has the same vibes as something like Tesla, but isn't necessarily, Hey, you have to boot up this entire custom supply chain, build your own factory, do all this stuff. And like, a very heavyweight way versus like, can you do something that like maps to the consumer electronics thought process, but still makes a huge dent here. And like, that was kind of the thinking of like, this is a good idea and we should do it. Yeah. Okay. So I, I, I love it. And I, I do think, I know we've talked a lot about it already, but can you sort of just describe what it is, even if it's like, describing why it's better or whatever like we know it's a stove but like what's behind it i guess what's it what's yeah. the elevator pitch yeah yeah the, the elevator pitch here is there is a pathway to make the best stove by integrating a battery in it and then the next question is why and so um one thing is you're limited in your performance by these electrical standards that were decided over 100 years ago basically you're limited by the fact that your breaker will trip at 60 amps if you pull it. You're limited by the fact that um, maybe you don't have a 240 volt connection to the cooktop or or stove that's like separate range or whatever. And so there are fundamental limitations by the built environment. And the second thing is we're able to basically, once you integrate a battery, you can combine that power with whatever you have potentially available with the grid and you can massively exceed what people would normally be able to do in terms of stove performance. Um, but yeah, the second part is like, I'm sure some of you have run into this. It's like, I want an induction stove, get me one. And then turns out your panel is only hundred amps. And so that becomes a veto point or you have to pick between an induction stove and a vehicle charger in your garage. If you have a garage now, we're all city people apparently. Um, but um, but th- but there's basically a bunch of constraints that have now been put into place. And we're able to kind of hit two things at the same time, which is solve most of the common installation frictions and produce a better stove that like wins on all the performance metrics basically at the same time. And then the last thing, which is like a bonus, is if you're on 220 volts, you can, or 240 volts, these are the voltages that floated up a bit. Um, you can push power back into your home and it works like a power wall. And so there's kind of this like three prong pitch that is somewhat of a mouthful, but now imagine you apply that to multiple appliances to your home, not just your stove. And okay. you've now deployed enough storage to be arguably meaningful um on the home electrification side um for backup or load shifting etc yeah so so one of my investors who i love um tells me that i like when he first met me he was like you speak energy and you need to learn english so like (laughs) that was the energy version (laughs) can you now to say someone who's like a fantastic chef has no idea what voltage their outlet is um Explain to them why, like, what is that performance factor in just like a purely experiential? We're, we're 10 times faster than gas. If, so if you like put a pot of water on the stove, we will be 10 times faster at gas at boiling it. 
So like how fat, like, is that like 20 seconds or like it's 40 seconds per liter? And I think we probably maybe a little bit lower than that actually in reality. Um, because part of that is includes like us ramping up to power and some other things and we haven't optimized yet, but, but yeah, th- there's that. There's a bunch of other things that we're working on, on the cooking side that like will be awesome, um, to reveal next year, I think, but we've got, I think the idea is actually like one thing to real, realize with induction is the control system, the control situation is very good, um, because you're not manually actuating a gas valve. Um, or waiting for a radiant electric element to just like get up to temperature. Like, Essentially, it has like heat capacity that takes a second mm-hmm. to like. But induction is immediate, and so so it's powerful, extremely so, and controllable as well. Yeah, you can set it to like a hundred watts if you want to, and like the pot will. Well, that won't be. They'll be below a simmer, but like you could keep something warm, basically. Will it say that? Like, can I just say like stove? 250 watts. I don't know if we want to put a microphone on it, but like. No, no, no. Sorry. Like on the dial. (laughs) I'd love a future where recipes aren't like, put your pan on medium high heat. And you're like, what the fuck is that? Yeah. It's like, put a simmer. I'm like, what the fuck is this? Do I want to put into this ribeye? Like, you know? Yeah. And so what's confusing though, is I do have like one induction burner and I'm like constantly like, what temperature do I need things to be? It does also, to be fair, it does like tell me the like simmer or whatever thing, but I have, and I have been having an adjustment period where I'm like, yeah. I'm like 270 degrees. Like, what am I supposed to think about that? Is that a lot? Is that going to do the right thing? Oh, yours tells you the pan temperature. Oh yeah. Oh, you have like the good Breville one. Right? I got you have the Breville yeah. control freak. Yeah. 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 That thing is great. Um, yeah. But there was some, it could be better um <laughs> of course yeah well it could help me figure out what it means i mean it does tell me but i've still i've had some some mishaps the um the most interesting thing um like the the interesting thing we're trying to realize with this is like by putting a big enough screen on there you can yeah. give context and you can even pull recipes in that you remap and so part of this is like and then make the controls reasonable so like you can support step-by-step um cooking instructions and things like that and this is like potentially interesting for like even like cloud kitchens etc but like like home use is definitely a bigger media market um but that's part of that's part of the strategy is like solve a bunch of these ambiguities um by having remappable controls and doing interesting contextual stuff what do you say to the people who think that like a gas burner, they have some like unique intuitive, like feel or touch over temperature that makes, uh, you know, add some human or sentimental element to the food they cook. And that induction is just like this mechanical, you know, even if it's this so much more precise, that's actually a bad thing because they like the feel of, of gas and being like having to intuit the heat. It's it's similar to like I like driving my Corvette, rowing my own gears, like hearing the rumble <laughs> of the engine. Yeah. You know, yeah, I want to be able to like switch. Yeah. yeah, I want a manual, not a. <laughs> I feel like I feel like once we succeed in the marketplace, we will have our own set of vibes for people to, mm, to feel nice. Of that. Nice. I love um, that. I like that. Not even having the conversation on their terms. 
yeah, and I think the argument really is like, just be better and prove it to people. Don't yeah. make it like, hey, I have to have this annoying argument with you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, I bet it's kind of like, the, it's like, like the, the Tesla, it's like the Tesla strategy, right? It's like, yes, build something better then people will want it and like yeah there's always going to be someone who wants like to drive their 1950s vehicle and like that's okay yeah but one day like i love like the clopping of hooves when i watch a movie or something but i don't own a horse you know it's like (laughs) oh that's kind of nice like that's like yeah sorry you're not gonna have your that's when you do next generation barbecue over the charcoal grill exactly exactly. i do want to solve the grill question at some point i think that's going to be an interesting one um well, that's a um, toughie. Yeah. How do, you, how do you decarbonize smoke? Like, I don't think you can. <laughs> Vapes. <laughs> Just pop in a little vape the, cartridge the hickory, here. Hickory vape cartridge. Yeah, no, no, yeah. I don't know. It's just like atomizing <laughs> liquid smoke into your oven. Yeah, okay. Uh, um, I like it. I, I do think that a big thing that's happening, though, is like, people are being like there there's the like your gas stove is actually continuously emitting like and it's not just pure methane like it's like it's like got random stuff from whatever well yeah, there's like, like formaldehyde like, and gas and stuff and like yeah yeah i'm just like i don't know what's like it actually is kind of an unknown thing and like turns out like random hydrocarbons of unknown origin are just like it's like cancer gas like you know it's, yeah, it's like, like not not that good not great not you great. don't want it yeah all right so i have a this i feel like we're getting a little off the rails but i'm having too much fun so we're just gonna do it. <laughs> that's what yeah. we're here for so uh long before i heard of impulse um i've been tweeting at like every six months or so i tweet at breville and tony fidel and i say i think the click wheel would be the best induction stove UX ever. <laughs> like imagine a wireless nest click wheel and just one of them, you click it to cycle between your four burners, you spin it to get the temperature you want and it's wireless. So like when you put some, when you put the Dutch oven on to go for a few hours, you just take it with you and you stick it on the wall and there's the timer. And now it's showing you how much time is left and there's nothing else. You just have this wireless nest click wheel and he, Tony never responds to me. <laughs> not once <laughs> not once what do you think of this can i have so, a job so, <laughs> yeah. do you so, know so, tony can i have a job <laughs> so, so i've never met tony um i'd love to meet him if he listens to this podcast i'll you know i'll talk to him whenever um i think so i don't disagree with that knob ux um we have something interesting in that direction um the uh i think that one challenge is when you do the screen on the knob it welcomes a bunch of pain if it's not the only thing in the device like if it's a nest thermostat that makes sense but if it's let's imagine you have a secondary screen that's bigger um maybe you don't need to have a screen in your knob for instance um but i think um and our yeah, i guess attitude, if you have another screen yeah that makes sense. Yeah. And our attitude with knobs is we've got some interesting strategies on that. Um, probably can share more next year. Um, but the, but yeah, would definitely comment that like doing the dedicated screen on the knob is like first thing you think of, but not necessarily the right way to execute it. Okay. But a bunch okay. of interactions. What he's saying is, is cute idea, kid. 
Yeah. <laughs> try try again reason, next time. Uh, you haven't been <laughs> responded to. <laughs> but um, a bunch of the interactions that say Nest and the iPod pioneered, I think, are not off base. And so I think that's kind of a, um, I think that's 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 the way I'll thread the needle on this. Okay, one more quick knob question, and then I promise I'm done. Is it going to have physical clicks as you spin it, or <laughs> a smooth? Right. That's the vibe. That's the vibe factor that you got. This is because I would personally love. Can you buy a clicker? You know, it's it's stainless steel. It's it's it has knurling, and it goes. I'd be like, yeah, (laughs) like, or is it just like, or is it just like, it's like, you know, turning the sound up and down in your car. You know, that's a good question. Wait. Okay. 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 Now, now you can have a job. Like old cars. Well, whatever. I just, yeah, okay. I think the funniest knob-related thing is how, like, <laughs> a bunch of cars copied Tesla and removed all their knobs and stuff, and it then, works. and then everyone complained and they put them all back. Yeah, yeah. So, I want to be able to like press, like, turn the heat up car. without looking at a yeah. screen. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Um, yeah, and and I would argue that the way that we're approaching our design, I'm not, I'm actually not answering this question intentionally. Sure, sure. Um, the way we're approaching this design is to treat it as an integrated system and making sure that like all the interactions like make sense within the system. So it's it's I think that's. I guess I'm the very true like the true by this device. The true like. It... <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, sorry. Go on. No, no, go ahead. I was just, I was just excited. Like, I was going to say, like, the true like Apple approach to my question would be: there's no physical clicks, but there's like billion dollar haptic feedback, and it just goes like, <laughs> yeah, and like actually have, 400 like engineers developed it. Yeah, so my last product was the controller for the MetaQuest Pro, um, and so that we put a bunch of haptics in there. Um, and it actually has like. It has like three different haptic motors in it, I think, if I remember correctly. Um, and so those things are fun. Um, but it ends up being a situation where maybe it's a little too fun um, in some cases. The I would okay. say actually the first Apple, um, the first Apple trackpads before they did the force touch thing, those were physically actuating. So it was like this was something where they figured out the click force, got the like, got the vibes right, and then they, then they implemented it that way, and then they made it too thin. Mm. That's another, that's another, that's another conversation for a different day. Um, or they made the keyboard too thin when they did that. Um, but uh, yeah, I think like there's a lot of uh, debate and surface area over this, and I think the the attitude is like just be very intentional. Okay, I'm done with niche interface questions. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna change gears a little bit. I'm gonna go back a couple steps. So you sell against gas on a performance basis, um, and you also sell against other induction stoves on the not no additional cost to upgrade and the through the battery and, and the performance basis, basis right? And you um, just crush regular electrics. Yeah, the regular system. Yeah, just, oh god. Yeah, yeah. No one wants those. Embarrassing. <laughs> embarrassing. <laughs> no, I was thinking that like I saw boil fat fast, and I was thinking the like electric teapots or whatever, and I'm like, those things aren't fast, but like they don't run on when you just slam a battery and like, <laughs> with induction, yeah, it gets pretty fast. But um, I did. I have a video which I'm not going to share online because it's it's like somewhat of a safety hazard video, 
but mm-hmm. I, I boiled the required amount of water for Cometeer coffee and it's like under 10 seconds. Oh my wow. gosh. Wow. I, one of our investors is obsessed with Cometeer. So, I mean, if you guys, you know, have, I'm sure, I'm sure he'd throw money at you when you, when you tell that it's to a, him. It's um, another North shore <laughs> Boston company, actually. Um, <laughs> um, okay. So, but what is there just like, even just cost comparison, like gas to um, induction and then how much do you think you save by not requiring the upgrade? Like for someone who already wants to buy an induction stove. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the, the master plan here and like, I'll, I'll spoiler alert is we shouldn't be more expensive than like other like fancy induction stoves. Um, and when I say that, it's not like the $10,000 ones. It's like the ones that are the ones that are like the, at the top end of the best. Like a good one. Like, yeah. 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 Like you buy a good one from a brand that's like, that's a fancy brand, whatever. It's ballpark middle range that like, that's the, that's the target here. Um, and like, turns out the margins in that business are great. So it's like totally doable to add some new tech. Um, to, to And then keep in mind for gas, for something that is like almost a purely passive device, like with just plumbing and stuff, like <laughs> like there are like $8,000 plus gas ranges you can buy. Like it's crazy. And so you think about that and you're like, okay, there's there's tons of price dynamism. You can, you can, you can figure out something that works there. Um, the install story is like, I, what I've heard is basically all over the map. And so this can range from like, you're not in San Francisco or New York and you've got a buddy who's an electrician or you do it yourself. And it's like, you just run the conduit and put a, yeah, yeah. In, somebody just bangs it you out. Space yeah. in your breaker, you put a breaker, you put space in your panel, you put a breaker in a couple hundred bucks. That's like, that's, that, that's what. And then, by the way, the IRA is like funding a bunch of the stuff too. So, like, you're able if you're up to like 150 percent AMI area median income, you can get some of the stuff paid for, to my understanding, through the IRA. And so that's like the bottom end of the spectrum. But this gets nasty as soon as it's like, I don't have any space in my panel. And then that's like, okay, what do you do then? And uh, you need a 60 amp, or you need a 40 or 60 amp breaker there. And you really want the 60 amp one because like that's when the stoves are like better. Um, that's more wonky question, but like, <laughs> um, but the point, the point being is basically you, you get a, you need to put a 60 amp breaker in. I'm in San Francisco. My panel, I think is 125, if I remember correctly, not hundred percent sure. So it's like, you're going to run into problems there. And then the next question is, well, let's imagine you upgrade your panel. You potentially can do something like span and that would let you trade off between maybe an EV and your stove or something. Um, but that's, that's expensive as well. And then the last bit would be like, oh, I have to upgrade my service because, and my service connection is not like, it's limited by this conduit that's under the street. And that conduit is only, I forget the exact diameter of, of the conduit in typical, but like it was scoped for the hundred, hundred amp service basically. And then if you have to upgrade that, now it's a dig up my front lawn and the oh sidewalk my God. and make sure there's it not it, and, and bring the gas equivalent people nearby to make sure that you don't like accidentally dig up a gas line and cause a break. Yeah. All and all this, this and all and all this just to boil water, water slower than impulse does. Yeah. Yes. And all this. Yes. <laughs> and so I've heard quotes into the over $10,000 range for stuff like that to happen. Yeah, 100%. So, so this is actually something I was thinking about because so when I was at 
um, Con Ed, I was working on our electric vehicle make ready program, right? And so like we were helping fund the like infrastructure upgrades required to do EV charging. And the obvious like next question for utilities was like, well, how can we do this for people who want to like electrify buildings, right? So thinking, they're in like, competition. They're in competition, I would say. So thinking like heat pumps and, and things like that. Um, and also induction stoves. And so what I what I think is like really interesting hearing, you know, like thinking about this product is you guys offer an alternative to that. And so like if you're thinking about like holistic funding from like the public service commission level, it feels like it would make sense for like your specific type of product to be getting almost like right like the non-wires alternative version <laughs> yeah. of yeah. like make ready funding for these yes. things because this... you're like helping reduce the need for infrastructure upgrades virtual wires yeah yeah so it's like yeah so it's just like super interesting and i'm like curious i know you have a million things to be doing with your product but like have you thought about it at all are you like talking to pscs like what's your thoughts there i think we, we like we left stealth in november and i think we're like kicking we're starting to kick the tires on i think a bunch of these conversations um not just there but also federal level um on programs and stuff like that it appears that the incentives are just like amazingly aligned for this exact product like yeah. it is like and i would say like the ira alone when i say like high-end induction stove if you integrate a battery and that battery is like nominally available to power other stuff you get a 30 percent tax credit and so it's like that is Oh, sweet. That applies. Yeah, it applies. So my understanding is it applies if you can power other yeah. stuff with it um, and like reasonably. Okay, low so you'd have to have the like feedback that you talk yeah, about. Yeah, there's there's okay. a couple ways to do it. But yeah, you, you feedback other approaches as well. But yeah. Well, you don't have to have feedback, right? You can just have a plug on the side of the stove. You could have a plug on it. Yeah, you can have a plug on it as well. And so yeah. or a sub panel. There's a couple of different things you could do. Yeah. And so, cool. and so that's the but vehicle to grid thankfully is like making a lot of like clarifying some of the national electric code questions on this um because arguably it's the same thing um and so what's what's interesting with this is um and that's actually the next part is there's also some emerging info i've seen around like multiple loads being on the same circuit as long as they can talk to each other um so you can make sure that like for like any you have, a, you have a you have like a you have a 60 amp breaker, you put a couple devices on it, but like it only ever draws. They like, only, yeah. 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 And so this is important for, my understanding is this, this, this got pushed through for EVs. So you could put like an EV and say your dryer, maybe it's in your garage on the same, on the same circuit um, for, for this purpose. And they will like load manage. Um, that's probably, there's a ton of service area for this. And like, this is like, we're upstream of kind of regulatory decisions, I think, on a bunch of these things, but it's it's very interesting. It's something we're keeping track of. Okay, so that does open up. Um, okay, wait. Before this, I just really briefly, the retail price of one or units against like a comparably good stove, the same, and then and then and then is there like an opex benefit from like power versus gas? Yeah. So I'll go into, I think if you, so I think I forget the gas bill rates per like BTU hour and like cost per kilowatt hour in like San Francisco, but like gas usually wins out unless you have an efficiency advantage. 
Mm. And my understanding is, my understanding is like, it's about the efficiency gap between those two systems. Um, mm. Well, that um, makes sense. Well, I just think of all the houses that like basically only use gas for their stoves, in which case you're paying that base rate and you can get rid of the that. like fixed charge. Yeah. The fixed charge. Yeah. Yeah. But the big thing here, like all other electrification is a gas stove is actually incredibly inefficient. Like, yeah, not, it's like, like the burning of the gas. Yes. Is like nine, whatever. I don't know. Something high, but like heat in the pan is low. Like it's like yeah, 20%, yeah. 30%. Yeah, yeah. Like an induction, it all goes to the pan basically. Um, oh, 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 unless you have this cool pan that my friend got called like a turbo pot. <laughs> turbo pot. Sinks on the bottom of it for heat. It has a heat exchanger on the bottom. So it, it you get like way higher coupling efficiency. Oh, from oh like a little, like a little camp stove. Uh, yes. Like boiler. That thing. is so yeah, funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Okay. okay I just, well, I, unless you I have a just... turbo pot, <laughs> it's way more right. efficient. Yeah. Right. Um. I did just I wanted to get that one out there because I, I I uh I think it's it's important to know, but um going it's like back to percent efficiency coupling normally, it's pretty bad. And yeah. so this actually means that like a lot of the folks that are kind of probably in the orbit of people who listen to this podcast, like you getting your like 1.8 kilowatt like home like like plug-in um single burner induction thing, that thing is like almost as powerful as your gas stove. Like your gas stove is maybe like a little bit over two kilowatts in terms of like what actually hits the pan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, So this gets back, James, to the like RE thing of like delivering actually more energy service. Yes, but with like a lot less input, like less like production at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah. Um, But uh, yeah, so okay, so we've like thoroughly covered the benefits piece of like why which I'm very sold on, but even just zooming out a little bit, because the way you talk about um, sort of against the heat pump, or if you also have a, like an, uh, an uh, uh, electric vehicle charger, or a span or whatever, maybe zooming out a bit. And like Colleen started to introduce us into this with like make ready programs and stuff. Um, do you have sort of an outlook on like, as the stove is better, the heat pump is better, the car is better, like as all these products are just better in the home like when you electrify um a sort of cohesive view on how electrification will unfold because i'm very interested now in like what you guys are doing and i think there's another it's like hig or something there's other like micro battery companies kind of that are like we're gonna skip the whole like power wall big battery like inverter balance the systems like interconnection application and we're just be like hey just like put this battery between your fridge and the wall or whatever it is um and and just like skirt the whole utility question because like they don't know what's going on in your house right so um do you have a company that tried to do this and they were trying to backfeed 110 and i think it was i don't i don't remember who it was but that was it didn't end well i don't think they're trying to backfeed 110 back into the outlet yeah, yeah. Oh, I remember this. They had like a nicely designed battery that you'd like put in your living room. The problem is like that's definitely not. You're now unbalancing. That's that's not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but, already, like, but like Blip, for example, even, this company. Like, yeah, I yeah. Love. That's right. I mean. And I was yeah. reasonable. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. But that's everything's downstream, right? Like, yes, so yes, yes. Right. It's like the right. same idea as what you're doing, kind of. But there's no device it's in, so it's not right. providing yeah, right. some benefit to that. And yeah. 
so do you see like i don't know maybe as lithium ion gets like so much cheaper to make or it's almost like everything is a smart device now because like chips got so cheap or whatever whatever it is like computing power got so good um do you see like a micro battery future where like every device comes with a battery or do you think there's um so, like centralized power walls is the future and like you get spans and like you figure everything out at the meter like is the utility going to know about this like how do you how do you see as not just the stove but all these products develop like do you have a, a cohesive view on like how electrification of the home unfolds so i think there's like this is going to get attacked by like 12 different dimensions arguably and like i think even within like like i i, I think i think the, the the products that i see on instagram like advertise to me because my ad targeting is accurate uh, <laughs> so are, like, accurate are these like generator form factor batteries you plug into your generator like eco flow kind of eco flow yeah, there's yeah. a bunch of different ones by the way I, I like those i think those are cool and i think that form factor is like but arguably it's it's the sales pitch is actually not one that i'm making which is like oh it works when the power's out um that's a like a benefit you get with the product where it's got a battery like it'll work um but um i think that people seem to and actually i'm surprised by this too because i i I get like half an outage a year kind of thing so it's a little bit different than i think where folks who maybe live in more rural areas seem much bigger problems here but like the uh there's there's definitely a product difference between this is out ready and like it provides a service maybe you go outside and you plug it in to your generator outlet and you manually disconnect yourself from the grid and like this thing is on all the time and charging and discharging behind your back and like you have no idea what's going on with this and it's like managed by software that one of us puts together um those are like different products and the second product is something where it's like i don't think it's been communicated to people yet like in some sense like in a user-friendly way where like understand time of use rates, understand how your home battery intersects with those, understand where this potentially intersects with like someone like David Energy on like- Yeah, we're working on it. We're working on it. Yeah. And so I think that product story has not, I don't know, I I love being in a space because there's so many food puns you can use, uh, marinated um, (laughs) in in like the public's mind over the past, uh, like it has not marinated yet. And I think- People still think of home electrification as like, and I'm going to pick on Tesla here because they can be picked on, um, is like, I live in my suburban home in Palo Alto with my home solar panels and I charge my Tesla from them and I have a power wall in case there's an outage. And like that story is in some sense, increasingly a like rich American Mm -hmm. suburban story and not like a global story. In some sense, and so I think that there's actually, I think actually like telling this story in a more generalized way is going to be interesting. Hmm. So you're you're that. saying that almost like through that lens, the central power wall solar EV is like this sort of suburban elite vision of electrification, but you see this micro concept as being like much more widely applicable because like you can just put a battery on it or like buy a blip or whatever it may be. And like, there's a, there's big benefits that come from that. And it's like less complicated, expensive, like no interconnection worries. And like, it's just more like democratized in a way, I guess. Like, yeah, it's like also like 
your single install point. And this, I talked to someone in commercial real estate space recently and like their feedback was largely like being able to reduce the number of different types of trades involved with making any sort of installation, even if you're in, in a new build is like a major, major asset. Yeah, yeah. Like, mm-hmm. If it's like, you can cut out like the electrician, which we can do. If you can cut out, um, you if you can cut out like, like interconnection, yeah, but like the yeah. custom solar guy who like knows how to do EV chargers, yeah. not even just an electrician, like an electrician, like trained in like solar and batteries, right? Like no, you're I, just I, like any like of stove guy can just like come plop it in. Yeah, right? The ideal situation is like, if you can install it through like the Best Buy installer yeah. network, yeah. Um, yeah. formerly known as Geek Squad, like if you can, or maybe it's still called Geek Squad, but like if you can install it through the like, I like just order my, I ordered a new washer dryer and it just came like that. If yeah. you can map things to that universe, it becomes dramatically easier to deploy the stuff. Yeah, and then yeah. the second thing would be like, do you even need to install it at all? And like, that's the other one that's, that's, that's interesting as well. Like that's a blip. Wait, the can I ask, so on this, can I ask like a logistical question? So is the stove just the stove top and like, how does it integrate with my counter? Yeah, so it's a we're scoping a number. I've been of, wondering this too. We're, we're scoping a number of different. <laughs> Where's products. the oven? Yeah, so we're scoping a number of different products. We'll have more probably info in the next year, basically. Um, where right. we saw the performance access is mostly in the stovetop, and so right. keeping it narrowly. For, I mean, that's no, common and I don't, for and like I don't, yeah, I don't ranges. dislike. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I guess I'm. Yeah, I just think about if you look like, at where new induction like stuff gets sold it ends up being in that form factor with the cooktop yeah. um and then a lot of retrofits end up being well a lot of, like if you live in san francisco you've got a range in a lot of cases um and so the the thinking is build the system modular so we can be adaptable you can like mm. just sit on top of an oven also will be yeah something yeah something um, okay we won't yeah, the, push the, me too hard, but you actually thing... put a glass box on top of the stovetop, and now it's an oven. Now it's an oven. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All Legos. Yeah. Well, so the idea you is put your lower cartridge the... in, and it just kind of. <laughs> so what's it. fun is if you go look at videos on the teardowns and these websites. That's literally all the stuff is built in modular form. Yeah, and so it's like that's. All right. So two two things on this one. Yeah, I love this idea of reducing basically soft costs. Right. Like the next frontier for residential DERs is that you look at all the solar battery EV charger stuff. It's like all about cost of customer acquisition, professional install, interconnection permits. And there's this group of companies, Impulse being one, I think, um, Gradient, the the window unit window heat pump, pump yeah. is another, uh, like Blip could be one, et cetera, where it's like, no, you just buy it and you just just put it in like it's not a big deal right and to me this like it's like a huge tam multiplier um so really exciting it makes me think of a second thing though you said like best buy right um and this i'm very curious about like if we look at tesla's path right not only did they make the car and it's better and blah, 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 like all the stuff we've kind of talked about already they also changed the product delivery mechanism right and they said we're not going to do the dealerships thing this is this is this is now 2022 you're just going to order it online it's going to show up now an induction stove doesn't have wheels so it can't just show up 
But to be fair, they do drive your Tesla on a trailer in a lot of cases when they deliver it. Oh, okay, that. okay, yeah. true, true. But like, is there a future where I just get my impulse stove on impulsestoves.com and like shows up on a truck, the guy just plops it in and gone, and I never have to go to Best Buy. I never have to like, yep. or worse, like deal with some like local appliance salesman who like, oh God, you know, like all the same, <laughs> a lot of the same problems of like the dealership thing where people are like, I don't like that. It feels bad. I don't like getting upsold. I don't like all this shit. I just want to like research stuff online and like pick the one I want. Yeah. So I think this is a very good point. And it's like, I think part of the the value that dealership type model provides is like, there's like a service service servicing thing, but like now you're looking at these products today and like, they're not exactly like maintenance serviceable in a certain sense. Like it's kind of a, um, like you're starting to look at more integrated pro- like your iPhone doesn't need a local delivery, local repair person, even though like you had to get a crack screen fix that you can go to someone and they'll do it. But like that wasn't like an optimization factor for their thing. And I think this kind of changes with like larger products. So the other reason that dealers exist for cars is cars have physical inventory space requirements. Mm-hmm. And then the second, the, the third part is because of like the Toyota production system and all this other stuff, like the, there's essentially an implicit financing arrangement where like Ford sells cars to the dealers. They get the money immediately as, as the car rolls off the production line. The car is now sitting in some dealer's lot as dealer inventory. Mm-hmm. And so there's this a- It's good for the manufacturer, yeah. It's good for the manufacturer type angle. Now, this, now if you have a high in demand product, say Tesla, and the dealer's lots would have been empty, like this is not a- um, like the, the, that benefit kind of goes away. And the other issue was Tesla couldn't control what cars were promoted over others. And that, and by offering something that is wholly a different category. And I think this is actually important to get to like what we're doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. a wholly different category than anything else in the market. Then it's kind of like, well, you don't necessarily want to be benchmarked versus other vehicles. Does the By someone buy... who's not trained yeah, does the does the 20-year-old Best Buy salesman like understand like the batteries helping you avoid the like 480 volt up or 282 208 volt upgrade like all this stuff? Yeah. Yeah, so, training so, him on that. So so I think there's a value for direct to consumer. There's a value for making sure that we have our own distribution networks across various other things. So the other thing other thing is like you move into a condo in San Francisco that was like new build. Um direct example i've heard of is like you select your gaganow appliances from a list and they will put in whatever you request and but it's a list of that distributor so like there's certain and this depends on the 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 builder and all the other things but like this ends up being there are multiple kind of opaque distribution paths for appliances that are not like not obvious yeah they're not obvious yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. and then and then the uh but yeah, the, the the case that I'm making when I say Best Buy install or similar, it's like it should be someone who's like does this all day, local, et cetera. It could like they often subcon to different local contracting firms. Like this is just an app, it's just a way to way to kind of generalize what I would say is yeah, yeah. dollar ecosystem look like. But then the other part is Best Buy is taking some risk, right? So like I have a good example of this. Like I went and bought a washer and dryer um because the old one's broken in my place and um when like they didn't fit in the door because a 27 inch washer is not a standard size um hilariously stoves like are more standard size than than washer dryers but they didn't fit in the closet and um a big uh like 
they had to get returned to Best Buy open box and likely were sold for less. And so mm. if you can solve the install case where they're like, yeah, your your breaker doesn't support it, et cetera, uh, then this becomes kind of an interesting situation for the retailers because you can make the pitch to them being like, hey, there's like the returns. This is like a better, yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. There's fewer situations where the customer would 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 request a return here relative to other induction stoves. Yeah. Yes. That's really interesting. Cool. Cool. Um, all right. There's a bunch of other questions on our list. James Colleen, you guys want to? Yeah. Where are we at? We're, I mean, we're all over the place. Uh, <laughs> wait, why don't we uh, switch? Or, okay. You first. No, go ahead. Well, I was interested in it, James. I think you wrote this one down. This is like a total, we're off product here. Um, just thinking about uh, like hardware startups and raising capital right now at what is a very interesting time. I don't know any thoughts you have there. How how was that? Uh, so, so this is actually, I didn't even mention this part of the story in why this company exists at all. And so um, I had this idea in, 2019 and i would only say it was my idea i think it was like bouncing around a bunch of friend group chats is probably the best way to say it and we had all sorts of ideas for what appliance to do first and i was like i think pushing us towards the stove was a later thing um there's a bunch of interesting things you can do with like pizza oven you just do a kettle that's really good like th- that that was kind of the thing yeah um but what really trip flipped the switch in my head to being like yeah this is we can do this was I heard a pitch from another founder that was great, but it was incredibly capital intensive and nuts. Um, that company has gone on to raise subsequent funding, even like, yeah, they're, 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 they're doing amazing. Now I was then like, Oh, the market for VC dollars in the space is now big enough to let you start the hardware company you want to start. And so that was kind of, that was my, let's say, April 2021 take, um, mm-hmm. March, April 2021 take. I'd already decided I was going to leave at that, like, a couple months ago and was going to do this anyways. But, like, that reinvigorated my sense of, like, yeah, the fundraising is going to happen. Um, and that was in 2021, which was probably the most generous time for VC funding <laughs> yeah. of, of all time. And And so... Now let's go to 2022, raising Series A, all this other stuff. Um, the number, like I would say, April timeframe was when this, the the like a switch started flipping. Yeah. Um, and th- there's a multi pronged thing here, and this is like, it's 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 essentially essentially what ends up happening in the markets is when a VC fund raises capital, they um, they don't get it all at once and like one lump sum and it ends up in a money market account. Like that's not how it works. There's like regular capital calls and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, so they have to go talk to LPs. And if the market is looking like, Hey, stuff is, stuff is blinking red. Like that's going to slow down um, funding across the board. And then a second thing that's going on is a lot of funds, like they're, they raise funds for a certain period of time. Um, and now they're like, okay, we we're probably going to want to delay raising our next fund. And so what ends up happening is that fund they raised is now potentially a multi-year thing versus like 12 to 18 months. And so, and then the third thing that's going on is a number of companies are like 
tanking because of, I would say the best example would be just public markets going down because of high interest rates. Like you're now like these PE rates, these companies at hundred X earnings, like it's not viable, you know, to be that high up. Um, especially like Apple, some remarkably successful business is like a PE 20 right now, which is, yeah. um, and so all these valuations are going down. Existing companies need to raise additional capital because maybe they're not cash flow positive yet. And so a lot of so-called dry powder ends up being accounted for between multi-year planning, between existing companies, yeah. um, et cetera. And so now you're looking at you're you're looking at an environment that is not necessarily super friendly to uh raising additional capital, basically. Especially um, as a hardware startup. Especially <laughs> as a startup. But I would say that the, the silver lining though is a lot of the stuff to get hit harder is not the hardware stuff, actually. It's like yeah, yeah, yeah. it's like you make SaaS products that sell to other SaaS companies that were yeah, yeah. marked up. And yeah. so what ends up happening is yeah, so I, I actually think that, and then with the IRA and a number of other things, like we're in a decent spot when it comes to like, we're in a bright spot of like where the, in the market right now, I would say. Yeah, yeah. But it's it's something where, um, and then I would also, the other thing I would caveat at is I think it's totally possible to raise a seed round for a lot of different things right now. And yeah. I've seen a lot of action on that front because what's happening is a lot of the very high quality folks in venture capital, um, there's less and less of these later stage deals because people are going to be like, let's wait till the market improves before we can like raise it. We don't want to raise like, we don't want to raise like around the unfavorable terms and all this other stuff. So they're extending their runway and waiting out um, kind of a lull in the market. Now, what this means is you can get a lot of attention from really great folks on the seed side, seed side. and the yeah. terms you get are not like, they're not bad. And no, so, it ha- it hasn't contracted as much at all as like the thirty percent lower or something. I would I would I, would, I might is my guess, yeah. but that's fine. And um, it does mean that you probably can't. And then the other thing you can't do is you can't go and raise a like a debt vehicle, like you can't raise venture debt because you're going to pay like eight percent or something like that. Like it's it's yeah. those three things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And so a couple of things have changed, but it's not like if I were if I were talking to a hardware founder on this podcast right now, like I would say, like, I think the market's going to improve next year. Um, I think, I don't think I, high interest rates are going to be here for a little while. Like, I think that's probably something that's going to be a fact of life for the next two years, probably. But I think that we're likely, I'm more bullish on the soft landing theory than I think a lot of other folks. I'm not a doomer on this. That, that that's my uh, one of my hot takes right now too. Like <laughs> the hot take is that the hot take is that we're pro- we're we're the other thing is we are if you look at all the early indicators on inflation, we are past them on there's a a number of different indicators on this that like yeah. seem to show we're past peak inflation. So the and then the like 70s doomer like stagflation theories, like we have other energy sources. We're not dependent on, we're not like coupled to oil, which by the way is coming down in price now. So it's like, yeah. yeah. Uh, and so I think, I think. Hey, that's my pet uh, theme too, is, is a lot of that in the seventies. <laughs> like everyone's like, what happened in 1973? It was just like energy prices got structurally high, you know? <laughs> like, that's, that's really the story. <laughs> but we have deflationary energy like sources now to your point. Yeah. And so, and so, this all kind of combines together into like 
like I would I would I would basically argue that like if you raise the seed round right now, you and you plan for two plus years of runway, you will get some awesome folks on your cap table. They will be able to pay a ton of attention to you and help you a lot. And like you're um and when the and by the time you need to raise again, the market's gonna be better. And so I think yeah. that that's kind of the like that's like my like big take on on this. Um then the last thing is as a hardware business. There is, um, and this is something that, so I, I keep kind of my ear to the ground when it comes to a lot of like manufacturing topics. Um, I feel like everyone has turned into like a weird macro expert lately. And like, <laughs> fun, it's fun listening to all those takes, but like um, one of the interesting trends, and this is also a deflate, uh, not deflation, I think it's disinflation is the term that um, a friend of mine coined, I think. I was um, like, I don't, I don't even know that term. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not that prices are going down it's that inflation rate is going down so it's like the derivative is is deceleration of inflation yeah deceleration of inflation doesn't mean that prices are going down they're yeah. going up by less Getting, going up slower, yeah. um and so if you look at um a bunch of um in, like shenzhen basically black friday didn't draw down inventories as much as people thought and so this is all combining with like the COVID, the end of COVID zero in China, a number of other factors here. So it's like, basically, basically um, there was overproduction. Um, yeah. That, so like all these supply chain shortages, like there was another, we're basically in like a weird feedback loop. Like, um, like the term, the technical term for this is like ringing. Um, but uh, we're in a feedback loop after a, uh, um, let's call it impulse to the global financial system <laughs> after reopening. Um, and so and so basically things are kind of whipsawing a bit. But yep. the point was that they effect- effectively reopened, or no, effectively um, post-reopening, there was a huge amount of demand for all sorts of stuff. Um, and then that is now contracted. And there was actually overproduction um, over the past couple months, basically. And hmm. so what this is resulting in is like idling production lines in asia and so if you're say a hardware founder there's a lot of capacity now that you yeah yeah yeah. so you're looking for like an eight inch oled screen for your stove and yeah like somebody in shenzhen's like i got well whatever i don't know whatever someone's (laughs) like yeah we got forty thousand of them and we don't know what to do no but there's such a yeah there's such a there's like a another layer of uh like such a good point within that that i haven't really been able to articulate to myself but like a lot of the, de- I mean, for a while, like the last decade, there was a whole playbook of like sell software to other software startups, like yeah, basically, yeah. and like grow with the market. And so now, like universally, that whole market is just getting contracting, like in unison, and there's nowhere really to go. But when you look at like a lot of the, I've been sort of articulating, like we're not slowing down. Like we just see a, an expanding, incredible market opportunity that we're going to invest into, and like almost like I am more optimistic about capital markets than most people. I, th- I think there's like a little overhype on the doom and gloom and like, you know, how far can the fed really go? Like they're probably going to get more dovish, right? Like, um, but well, and like you can uh, put your money, you just raised into a treasury account and like, it's yeah. Not- right. Um, and, but, but even just like, if you're not even a, a hardware founder, but like in climate, like we, we sell energy, right. It's like, it's a completely different, market dynamic than being like a growth vertical SaaS company that sells to other like software companies. You know what I mean? Like 
it's just like, why are you taking your foot off the gas when like, there's just this like ever expanding market in front of you? Like, yeah, like capital markets are going to change year over year. And like, you, you, you kind of have to put your blinders on and just be like, okay, we'll be more methodical. We'll be tighter, but like the invest, like almost like invest more. Like it's, it's, these businesses are not at the whims of like even whatever recessionary environment that right. we're in. Like I totaled people up still need energy. Energies. People still want to buy a new induction stove. Like, well, that's, I mean, like yeah. stoves, especially, right? Like people need to cook. Like, I totally <laughs> love all this stuff. But it's just such a new product too, that like, there's like demands not going away for your product. It's like the people who want that thing are going to get it. Like when it's this nascent. Also like you can get it like, massively subsidized by the government right like so i think like, <laughs> yeah, well, that's the other hell piece. yeah, yeah. <laughs> like 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 you know the, there is like dark brandon is fully derpilled is basically <laughs> <laughs> wow there's a meme there <laughs> clip that clip <laughs> sophia clip that oh man that's amazing well okay one one okay to get out of last macro thing i guess um the one concern i've heard from some energy folks that we might not be thinking through is if China's to come out of COVID zero, what that means for oil demand and therefore oil prices. Um, Cause we're in a pretty tight environment and that's a big source of demand that right now is very so, suppressed. I have a lot of commentary on this one, actually. Oh, okay, let's keep it to a few minutes, but yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. In China is mostly due to, um, like going there for manufacturing back in the day. So I made a bunch of friends mostly in like, like Shanghai nightlife scene and various other things like that. So that's another topic for another day, another podcast, but um, I'm ready but, for that one. But yeah. so <laughs> this is actually related to that all of those places were open, like all of the last couple of years. And so like China never had, like people think like, Oh, China has this really strict COVID zero, whatever policy. They just kept it out. And there were all these conspiracy theories about like, did they like not actually have, they have cases spreading and they were lying about it. No, they actually kept it out. Like they wouldn't have been able to keep it quiet. And so because they kept it out, like they have like they never had a like turning yeah, off. Yeah, yeah. The demand was already there, basically. Yeah. And yeah. now that's changed in the last couple of months where like there have been out, real outbreaks and like all this other stuff. But like a lot of them were like city specific, not like Yeah. yeah. And the other thing they would do is like where there were outbreaks, they would run factories in what's called closed loop mode where because there's dorms on the factory campus where all the workers worked, like you can essentially keep the factory running without. It's like the 2020 NBA finals. Yeah. You just yeah, like, like, the 20, like literally, yeah, yeah. literally yeah. the 2020 NBA finals, but for your iPhone is like, is a <laughs> yeah. Story. So, so you combine all this stuff and it's like, I don't actually think there's a huge shock. The second thing is the, the current macro environment is actually causing some factories to idle. Right there is um reopening driven so trying to open basically internally like they got rid of a lot of the internal controls now because they opened um a lot of people are now staying home because they're they're they don't want to get infected and so now now they're seeing kind of the same things you saw in the u.s and stuff like that um in the in 2020 like two years ago yeah well even like one year ago with omicron so it's like you're seeing some of the same things i would probably compare it more to omicron actually um, where, where like SF your hot would, take is like demand may go down basically no well so to my point is this is this is temporary and like a bunch of this other stuff is, yeah. is there but like china's gonna be back in business i would argue after chinese new year um 
um well before but like chinese new year is coming up too so like all these things yeah. kind of together after chinese new year we could be in a back to normal situation basically yeah. uh, with like travel open all these other things happening yeah but your point what was that prior yeah, to that like, be, demand uh, was never like super low anyway so like, yeah, yeah. like oil consumption shock really like isn't a big deal yeah, my 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 view my view is like yeah, there'll be more people driving between cities in China because there were some internal controls yeah. and stuff. But like the train system there is great. Like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, interesting. Just take the train; it's fine. Um, I love that. Okay, that's Are helpful. We... I I have an annual bet on what the oil price is going to be in the the next year. Oh, so it's going to depend more helpful. on it's going to depend yeah. more on who in China is my think thinking. Okay, okay, and good to know. I'll tell my book. Um, we <laughs> we we could go all night here. Should we? Do you guys want to go should... into the closing segment? Probably. I feel like this one could I run too. So let's yeah. just let's, let's jump into it. Yeah. All right. So Sam, you're the energy czar of America, and you can implement one policy, and it will happen. Full dictator. Yeah. Like, what do you do? That's a good one. Well, besides for, yeah, besides besides for spending a like meaningful amount of money on fusion, um, <laughs> I'm depending on how much you want to spend here, it's like you know, I don't know. Huh. Spending's not your limit. Yeah, you could be like, I'm going to redirect the entire military budget into fusion if you want, like whatever you want to do, you can do. Not well, what, what we learned from <laughs> Sam is they're one and the same. So yeah, they're the same. You could put yeah, your right. entire it's, it's, government it's, it's, budget right. into the military right. to drive right. fusion. Right. So, so I think I think I think this actually goes into the permitting stuff. And I think that if I were to drive, if I were to make like, and this is probably a, a two prong thing, is I would defang a bunch of I would defang a bunch of the environmental laws that were, are now being used to block electrification. But I would also try to do mm. it in a way that defangs the state ones. Mm. Yeah, the local game. Yeah, can't just do it nationally. Yeah, yeah, and then but ease permitting—that's the goal. Yeah, I would say that's probably a big. That's a like look like battery integrated appliances will get us to like we'll we'll potentially cut like some of the distribution issues because essentially you're like replacing peaker power plants with like point of use, um, and so that's going to help with like downside. Like you don't have to plan for the peak loads on the on the lines and stuff, so they'll help a bunch. Yeah, but. We're still going to have people protesting a lot of stuff. Yeah. wind farms they can't see from the shore and like nuclear storage sites that are not dangerous actually because they're like in concrete and like, you know, like all these, like all of these things are like, we need to get past the vitocracy um, in our current situation because like the real, story, the real story is like, look, like those coal, coal ash sites are probably more radioactive and more like blowing into the air and stuff than like any nuclear waste site you could ever imagine yeah yeah those were already allowed because we allowed them before nipa like it's it's like and so and so because we have this latch like we've we've like we've latched in the um the built in the currently built environment into like essentially it's gotten a legacy pass um figuring out a way to kind of reform that i think is a big deal um because we're not going to deploy any like new tech um because someone will veto it yeah that's Mm -hmm. that's a really your point about like local 
kind of bureaucracy and such getting in the way is really interesting because you guys ever lived in California? No. So the first thing you learn about, well, okay, so this is this is like this is just going to go down my Twitter rabbit hole of like. (laughs) You have some fun threads, man. I was going to ask you about those, but uh, I've been enjoying it since I saw the announcement and following you. Um, but yeah, I think a big part of this is like, if you're familiar with the Yimby movement, you're familiar with like a bunch of the other things, like, yeah, but a lot of this ends up being like, you're very, you become very f- intimately familiar with this law called CEQA. So oh, California yeah. Environmental we, Quality we build Act. a lot of projects in California. Yeah. And, uh, it literally means that anyone can sue if you have basically anything. And so like, and the good example here is like adding density to a city um in fill density it's like reduce people's commute times do all the other things that are good for the environment but they can claim that like shadows potentially yeah. are uh, like it, it goes into it goes into like there's there's actually like i would say there's multiple axes of environmentalism and the clean energy side and like getting rid of global warming is like a uh in some sense we have environmental policy that predates that yeah and so yeah, I'm definitely much more of a maximalist in like reduce emissions at all costs versus rustic vibes. And like today in San Francisco is a great example. You should look up the AQI in SF right now. It's above 100 when I last checked it today. What give us a relative? So like, sounds that bad. is like a that was bad. like a day. In like, it's okay. So like 300 plus is like airpocalypse Beijing like 10 years ago or whatever. Um, hundred is like China smog level, basically for like yeah, very bad. on the news media. Like it's it's not good. Do you know what that's driven by? People having wood stoves and burning wood in their homes for like wow. full circle here. Interesting. When I say wood stove, like wood home, like like hearth kind of thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Really? Wow. Like up in Northern California or something? No, or like people have these in the Bay Area. Oh, really? Just because like it's yeah. Cool. Throw a log on, man. It's nice. Yeah, that is nice. Yeah, <laughs> it's because Sam's cooking so much Chinese barbecue. Man, just create create electric fire vibes, you know. Then then it'll fix that. But that goes back to the point. It's like I think you have to kind of win on this like wholehearted product argument, not mm-hmm. just like guilt tripping people that you've got something that's like yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, I, think, yeah. I think induction is reasonably successful with this. Like more people just need to try it. Um, but but like part of our argument is just to do the bonk thing and be like this is just obviously better yeah yeah yeah. we talk about that a lot like you're hitting all the themes yeah we're big like abundance people like we're not taking things away we're just making things better and better includes cleaner yeah i think i actually think it's a good point is like if you if we do everything right with what we're talking about here people can consume more energy than they used to Yes. yes. And yeah, yeah. I think exactly. that's like very underrated with like, and I'm not going to name the groups because I think like they're slowly learning and I, I don't want to anti- I know who you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. We, like, we all know. But like the, the point basically is like the Star Trek future is like you have enough energy to like beam yourself to other planets or whatever. Like it's like that's a little preposterous, but like the point, the, the argument, the argument gets to um, kind of a broader one where it's like there is a high energy good for the environment like future it's definitely yeah. awesome it just involves like it's it's probably a little more cyberpunk than like us all living in cabins in the woods but like with way less of us because that's also part of part of the 
part of that argument. It's like it's driven by overpopulation fears as well, not just yeah, not- yeah. Man, we were just talking about. Yeah, this. I was like, we should have brought you on our Doomer pod. Yeah, <laughs> well, that's a good. That's a good segue. We're gonna we're gonna go into doper nope, which is we give you a topic and you just say dope or nope. Okay, um, and maybe you like can pr- you can give like one sentence. Yeah, it's it's a lightning well, round though. So like, if you want to give some context, you can. Otherwise, you just give the answer. So we can start with uh, like doomers, like the cl- climate doomers, basically. Nope. <laughs> no, no further comment. Um, <laughs> huh? They will lose. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, interconnect processes. Dope. Interesting. No, but dope if they're they're actually no, they should not exist. After I'm an energy czar and I've made them better. <laughs> well, yeah. when you said dope, I was like, did I hear everything he said these last two hours wrong? <laughs> USB like, C like my... required. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Yes. Now now we're talking. Um domestic manufacturing. Nope. I'm an well, investor I'm gonna, in a couple different manufacturing. I know you mentioned that. I'm. We're gonna have another pot, just a or a beers or something. Talk about that. But uh, actually, following up on the USBC comment, pure DC powered homes. Dope. Nice. What about HVDC? Uh, dope. Yeah. Dope. So you like DC everywhere. I love it. <laughs> um, I used to work at a gallium nitride fab. So really? <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's amazing. N- Non-computer science tech founders. Dope. Are you long more of them? You know, you and me, we're out there raising A's. There are the oh, lot I more know coming. People who, I know people who don't have a technical degree and they're doing good. So it's like. Yeah. So not even not even like mech or electrical engineering, like just English. Just, <laughs> like yes, I'm long business like bros. I'm long business bros, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm I'm using that in a gendered way. So like I do say like I actually know some non technical female um Oh bro, of, yeah, bro is bi- a business bro. Bro is genderless, so I guess it's not yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, you guys can it, jump in. I mean, what about yeah. what about small modular nuclear like fission? Dope. What about large light water re- light water reactors like big mega nukes? Dope. Still dope, huh? Wait, wait, wait. What about new big mega nukes? Dope. Dope. Vo- okay, Vogel. Vogel. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> it's, it's like a. It's, it's a very over it's yeah it's a very over budget it's, it's the nuke plant in, on yeah, time in under budget that's like 10x over budget or whatever i just think they should just put the other reactors into the diablo canyon spots they didn't build out like that would be the that would be what i would do okay, okay they've already okay. got like space for a couple more reactors there i love it you're like big centralized nuke and like also hyper hyper democratize like no interconnection ders oh i i, I know that so, yeah. i <laughs> I, I I just know that that's going to take forever, so you might as well do the right. like, democratized option right. first. Right. <laughs> that's kind of where I where I'm at. Yeah. 
Um, it's like how I am, though, to be fair, I'm, I'm very bearish on crypto, but I'm very pro fiat. <laughs> You're all over that. the place. I love it. <laughs> I love this. Okay. That's what I was like. That's a whole another pod right there too. So yeah. Um, so Bitcoin's nope. Oh, it's nope. Big nope. <laughs> Not Big it, nope. Bitcoin as a dir is also a nope. Oh man. <laughs> oh boy. This is a Bitcoin so battery for you. We have like seven hundred. I met that guy. I met that guy. He was at my house one time. Which guy? The guy who said Bitcoin is a battery. Oh, Nick. What? I love Nick. No, uh, what's his name? Uh, why am I blanking his name? Different, not Nick, but it was someone else. Dan, or I think it was Dan Held. Um, he's a nice guy. Oh, though. nice. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. He had a big. He had like the Bitcoin as energy storage tweet, and it, I always keep going back. Mm. We yeah, realized yeah. Bitcoin mining is actually a backup generator when we Can when be. we discuss yes. this deeply. Yeah, yeah. yeah. An inverse backup generator. If you want to get real nerdy, <laughs> but um, the battery is wholly better than Bitcoin for the grid. Depends yes. on what you think about the Fed, man. I guess you know. <laughs> <laughs> Depends on how much gold you have hiding. I'm not out fundraising right now, so I'm fine with whatever is going on. <laughs> okay, wait. I want to. I want to. I want to inject one in here that's not on our list. Um, um, the hydrogen economy. Nope. Is the incumbent. Is no, there? Go ahead. A, sorry, little follow up. Is there any hydrogen you're bullish on? Upper stage rocket propulsion, but even <laughs> love that yeah. answer. Okay. That's, that's a winner. Oh no, nuclear! Point. No, no, nuclear thermal propellant. You want to use hydrogen? This is lighter. Okay, no idea what that rockets. is. But yeah, rockets. Okay, okay. Yeah. Basically, pass the hydrogen past the nuclear reactor, and it gets hot, and then you go to Mars faster. Oh, makes sense. Okay, cool. Um, so that's a nope. Okay. The incumbent yeah, utility model. Yeah, nope. <laughs> what about franchise rights? Do you know franchise rights? This would be like if I made Sam's electricity company and like I sold people only renewables so that they chose to charge their impulse stoves at like only No, it's like PG and E has the exclusive franchise franchise right to build electric infrastructure in San Francisco. Oh yeah, nope. <laughs> So, like, you think you should be able to run a wire to your neighbor if you want? I think, I think that the city. Well, this all goes back into my. I think that the state, because I don't think cities should set this stuff. The state should set standards that allow that that, that enable certain things to happen right. with a with a by right permitting process. That was basically our conclusion on our very the very first episode of this podcast when we talked. Cannot about be local rights. because I've seen all the local antics, but state is fine. Right. Okay. Okay. Nice. Man, really anti the local the local regulations here. Um I'm pro state regulation and federal. Ralph Nader, yeah. dope or nope? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> this is, it's funny, all the electrification CEOs, Andy or, or uh, you know, founders, uh Andy Frank at Sealed was like went on a rant about Ralph Nader like creating nimbyism. <laughs> like, <laughs> like the the vitocracy as you call it. Uh the seatbelt thing was okay, but like that's it. <laughs> <laughs> no fun, everything else. Okay, final section. Right. Big okay. shouts. Yeah, so this is big shouts. We just shout out whoever you're you're thinking is, you know, doing doing good work out there, contributing things. We just we just rip them off. We're gonna join in. Is there anyone you want to give? So you'd say like big shouts to uh, 
you know, dark Brandon for for uh, <laughs> for funding Durs. So I'm gonna give I'm gonna give big shouts to like the installers who are gonna have to you know put all these yeah, the Geek Squad out. Yeah, yeah the I think the Geek Squad, squad of the yeah. world. Like, and I think that this is actually a big story. Is like there's actually a number of startups working on this. I think Copperfield's one of them, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. But the the idea is like there should be a turnkey like Geek Squad ish way to just get electrification products into your home. Yeah, and what that experience looks like, and there's a ton of and Sealed is another good example of this actually. Um, I think I think that's that's like arguably it's interesting is like we're distracted making hardware, but like that's an important thing that actually absolutely has to happen. Um, the other piece is I would say like I mean also shout out to Arcadia for raising in this environment right now. Yeah, nuts. Um, but I think that that's an important, like, there's a really important thing for like, oh, aggregating all of the data for all of the utilities. You actually can like choose when to charge your battery. Like, that is yeah. a hard problem, and something that like we could potentially build out a SaaS team to do it. Or it's like, again, it goes back to like, what's the value add from enterprise SaaS? And I think like that's a very clear value prop. And so, yeah. big shouts to that. Big shouts to uh, induction stoves as Durs. I'll say it again. Big shouts to uh, admitting when you're wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Big shouts to humility. Something we rarely display on this podcast. Yeah, rarely. (laughs) We're more into pumping tires, but (laughs) big shouts to uh, to, uh, non-computer science tech founders raising from Lux is a great fund. Big shouts to... uh, to them, I don't know if you're who you're working with there or whatever. I don't know anyone there, but they seem cool, you know. And working with big Josh. shouts to. Oh, nice. Wait, can... he we is can... not. He does not like Durs though. Yeah, we, we can cut. We can him. cut this if you want yeah. this cut. I've been so <laughs> curious about Josh because I think he got a little bit derpilled. He used to. Oh, he's he's derpilled. He's derpilled. Yeah, yeah, back in the day. Yes. I think can we get him on the pod? Skeptical. But like now it seems like he's interested in like solar and other stuff. Um, it's cool. It's very cool to see. I like the elemental energy pitch, honestly. I mean, yeah. Like, yeah. I agree with that. But like, again, it gets back to my argument earlier, which is like the gears take a second to turn, even if you can like, I think it's fascinating with Japan right now. Like they're just reactivating nuclear plants left and right. And like all this other stuff, but like they also have a much more, modern permitting and vitocracy containment strategy than the u.s does um and i think that my point though is like i think that there's nuclear is a solution on the grid for like baseload cleanliness like clean energy but then you have to upgrade all the wiring when you electrify everything anyways and so you end up there are there yeah you you, you end up like even in the even in the nuke maxing environment Yes, that's this what is I, a that's what I strong really, like. Yeah, even yeah, if it's funny because there's so many. Yeah, in like especially in in like tech and venture, there's a lot of nuke maxis, but like they should all like Durs anyways. I just think they don't really know what they are. So yeah. the, the the real story like, is like you look at there's just a lot of skinny pipes in the electrical system. Yep, and putting batteries in strategic places solves that. Yep. Right. Yeah. yeah, like the only easy work on the power system is at the edges of it right, right. yeah and that's the um, one where you don't need permission from anyone or yes. minimal yeah. Yeah. which we like yeah. yeah yeah wait so did you derpill josh or was he already derpilled when you met him i i, I have no comment uh, you know <laughs> <laughs> right. 
Nice. All Amazing. right. Well, big shouts to you, man. Huge fan of the company. You're doing really cool shit. You're, you're this was a lot of fun. I learned yeah. a lot. I'm going to have to like re-listen to this myself like seven times. But Yeah, this was a far, far reaching pod. This was a yeah. ton of fun. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I appreciate it. I appreciate you guys having me on. And uh, let us know when you're in New York. We'll let you know when we're out west. We'll uh, I'll grab a there. beer and talk about Shanghai clubs or whatever it was. <laughs> I'll be there second week of January, I think. So after CES. Beautiful. And then if anyone listening nice. to CES, feel free to hit me up. I'm on Twitter. So, awesome. all right. Well, let's hang then. I love it. Thanks, man. Sounds good. Cool. Thanks. Bye. Appreciate bye. it. Yeah, bye.